Welcome to Libre Lounge, a podcast about free software, free culture, and all the other interesting aspects of user freedom. With Christopher Lemmer Weber and Serge Broklowski. Hi, I'm Serge. I use he, him pronouns. Welcome to Libre Lounge. For those listeners who've been listening for a while and wondering where Chris is, Chris has left the mountaintop and is now somewhere in the rainforest. I think they're picking up uh, mushrooms or flora or something. They're going to tell us all about that when they get back in a few weeks. But we're really lucky to be uh, to have Frank Itzchek from Nextcloud on. For uh, so, welcome, Frank. Oh, um, thanks a lot. It's it's great to be here. It's actually um, one of my favorite podcasts. So oh, it's it's so sweet. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> so it's it's uh, great to be here. Yeah. So. Um, I've been using Nextcloud for, uh, I think, about two years, and I heard an amazing talk by Frank at Libra Planet 2019 called uh, Why I Forked My Own Project and My Own Company. Uh, for people who haven't used uh, Nextcloud, I'm going to save Frank the, the work of having to explain his own product again. Uh, Nextcloud is basically a, a personal or team synchronization tool it does file synchronization like um, like Dropbox is the big proprietary thing that most people have used it does calendaring uh, similar to for example Google Calendar it does uh, office integration now with only office and before that Calabra which was LibreOffice um, so you can use it it has a, a million plugins it also has a, a video audio plugin kind of like Google Hangouts. So it, it basically takes care of all of those those tasks. I use it every day for my own file synchronization across devices and also um, for, for to-do list management partially and project management. So I'm a big fan. And so when I saw Frank's talk uh, about the the way that own uh, what was previously on cloud became next cloud, uh, I was really interested, and I would really love to start there. Uh, if you could give just a little bit about that process, and you know, I'll link to the talk, but just kind of if you could condense it, uh, I think that's a great place to start. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so um, that's an interesting story, and it's also a complex story, and there's so many different aspects. So, yeah, I, I recommend to to watch the watch the talk but i can try to summarize it but it's uh, <laughs> it's not easy because there's so many aspects but yeah i mean um, own cloud um is is, is uh, software with a similar idea that i that i founded 10 years ago so i think three weeks ago there was the 10 years anniversary um and at the time i was still like super active in the kde community and um, yeah, we did a conference in uh, in San Diego at the time, and um, people asked me to give the keynote. And they, this at uh, this event, I basically launched uh, OwnCloud and was at the time still part of the KDE project, um, but that later became became more independent. But yeah, that's something I I, I launched. I picked I, I I picked the HCPL as license as a pure free software open source project and. Yeah, I, I wrote the version 1.0 alone, um, <laughs> but very quickly um, there was a community and people contributed. And we did like the first meetups and um, yeah, it was growing, growing. 
And then um, as a pure hobby project, as a pure volunteer-driven um, project. Um, and then I think one and a half years later, um, the idea popped up because it really became more and more popular. The idea popped up that uh, maybe um, there's an opportunity to somehow find a way to actually pay the volunteers and create like a, a company. By the way, for me, the company was never a purpose. Uh, it was never really the purpose to have a company. The purpose was to have like something that can can help the contributors to drive like the software and the project faster forward. And of course, it helps if people are paid to do the development. And then, yeah, I got in contact too with two other people, and together we founded like a a company around the project. And we, um, yeah, we did this for uh, for a while, but it didn't really work out for many many reasons um yeah wrong i mean people. to summarize to summarize yeah. the, the the i think the <laughs> the part for me was that you know you you went with the what we'll call it the traditional uh silicon valley model so mm -hmm. you you had a bunch of developers you you did some initial launch then mm -hmm. you brought in a bunch of uh venture capitalists who would inject your company with money <laughs> and yes. that that is kind of the the standard procedure right you 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 get a bunch of venture capitalists and yeah. and then you you encountered that the model that the company was was going the 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 open core model and mm. which is that you have this free software project and then you and then you have these add-ons and these add-ons are proprietary you know mm -hmm. The way you explained it was well. This puts this puts our users at um, at conflict with our company mm -hmm. because exactly. now you're always trying to push them toward the proprietary thing, which means that you as a company are less incentivized to make free software mm -hmm. because now you're competing with yourself and your users yes. are competing with you, and <laughs> so there's uh, there's a uh, and, and then and then of course the the, the venture capitalists who want their investment back. Are always going to push for the thing that's going to, in their minds, bring the greatest value uh, yeah. as quickly as possible. Yeah, no, that's a that's a that's a great summary. So, I mean, the decision at the point at, at this point was to not grow organically, but to accept uh, venture capital money, um, exactly as you said. And then, of course, well, then you need like a really lucrative, uh, <laughs> very fast scaling uh, business model. And yeah. I, People convinced me that open core um, and dual licensing and some other things were great business models and then exactly led to the conflicts that you just mentioned that. So what feature is then open source and what feature is in the enterprise version only and competing with itself. And then at the end of the day, I mean, the, the open source community free software version was always something like the the marketing trial version, so something that people should use, but if they really want to use it, they really should become a customer and you need to buy this other version, which is completely proprietary. Yeah, and there are many, many problems with this model. And at the end, it really didn't work out. Um, and that, yeah, led to the situation that the company um, didn't make enough money. The customers were like confused because they thought they're buying some free software product, but then, if they buy the enterprise edition, it's not free software anymore. And <laughs> the developers were disappointed. The volunteer community basically left because they were like confused. So what is this proprietary software thing that we're doing? And yeah, it didn't really work out. 
And then, uh, yeah, a normal company would actually be just go bankrupt. But because there was still the core, um, which was free software, there was the opportunity to fork it. And this led to the title of the talk, why I forked my own project and company. That's what we did with Nextcloud now. And now we have yeah, a pure free software business model. We don't do this open core stuff anymore. And yeah, surprise, surprise, it actually works better. I mean, the other the other piece of, of the talk that I thought was so interesting, I mean, you've already identified everything, which is that this open core model eventually leads to uh, a conflict of do you you know treating mm -hmm. the treating the 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 free software version as kind of like shareware right like oh try yeah. it before you buy it but then the thing <laughs> that that the customers actually get is never the thing that they actually were trying right because because now you've got all these proprietary components in and you're and you as a company are disincentivized to work on the free one and you also mentioned some specifics in that talk which again we'll link to of Oh well, I couldn't accept patches and plugins from the community because they were in conflict with the proprietary <laughs> products that we were selling, right. uh, which you know, which is the the perversion here. The other thing That's you mentioned, totally stupid. Yeah. yeah, was that you you talked about how you don't go with the hosting model. So there's no way you mm. can, there's nothing that Nextcloud sells. It's like Nextcloud branded hosting, and you, you explained in that talk that. The, the problem with the hosting model is that it also puts a, a disincentive to make the software easy to install. Yes, um, the hosting model is not interesting thing. There are so many aspects to it. Um, first of all, um, it makes it hard to install exactly. So because uh, I mean, the the purpose of of OwnCloud at a time and our next cloud is to enable people to host or to run the software as they want. That's the goal. And once you basically provide hosting yourself, you're somehow working against your own mission in a way. And that's a bit weird also because there's also some idealistic background. I mean, I started OwnCloud and I'm doing Nextcloud now because I want to decentralize the internet. I want to decentralize um, cloud services, right? And if we would then offer like the whatever official centralized uh, version, then that's a bit, that's a bit weird. So we don't do that. We focus on building the software and other people should actually run it. I think that's one of the most complicated, at least for me, one of the most complicated bits. Uh, so Nextcloud makes its money the way you explained it, uh, and, I, and you're here to, to correct me, of course, is that you use essentially the Red Hat model, which is that you mm -hmm. sell, you give away the software and anyone can use it and run it. Like I, I'm a, I'm a Nextcloud user. I don't, I don't pay you anything for a Nextcloud. Uh, but if I want support, and we can define what support is in terms of you know either uh, technical support or maybe new features or whatever, uh, mm -hmm. Nextcloud is available for for that. Which means that you're really you're you're focusing on the the small top ten percent of your businesses yep. and large customer mm -hmm. large users who have the money to to spend but they're essentially subsidizing the rest of development for everyone like me yeah no that's that's true of course subsidizing you is not is, is easy because software there's no cost in copying the software right so if you use it or not doesn't cost any money Right? So basically giving it away for free for everybody is like cost nothing. That's one of the great things with 
with software. And this is why we can do it. And the model is really a bit like, as you mentioned, Red Hat, because there is CentOS, which is basically the same than uh, RHEL. Um, and a lot of people use it. And it's it's great. And the idea is that once you are really big and really depend on the software, maybe you're a bank or a government or some huge enterprise and you really want to have a support contract with a phone number and like guaranteed long-term support and some other things that you really want, then you can get a REL subscription. And the software doesn't really change that much. Um, it's really the same as CentOS. But you have is like this all this like these guarantees and these legal things around it. And this is what big, big companies want. And that's similar to what we do. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. In, in some ways, though, you know, the difference here is that you're not even doing the CentOS version because CentOS is made by a third party by stripping out all the, all the Red Hat uh, trademarks and name and replacing them with, with the CentOS you know, white label. Whereas you're actually just giving mm. away the whole thing and saying, well, if you really want it um, with with the support mm. contracts, you can come to us with a support, you know, and and we'll That's offer true. you a support contract. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. what you yeah, touch? What the center is, people are really doing. They only remove the trademark. The rest is really the same. So the trademark is a bit, I don't know. I mean, I think Red Hat is in a bit weird situation that they have, because I think nowadays they even own the CentOS trademark and they also own the Red Hat trademark, obviously. And I, I think there might be historical reasons. I, I don't see a reason why it shouldn't be called the same somehow. Yeah, I think that's, a, I mean, I, I wasn't aware that, that of that, uh, that they own the CentOS trademark. That's well, interesting. Yeah, no, they, they, they took over the complete project. Oh, I didn't know but, that. But, yeah, that it is, and, and not not to kill it, <laughs> actually to sponsor it. It's really interesting. So because the classic, as a classic um, business person, you might think, well, all these people they use our software without paying us. That's bad. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> it's like not bad at all. It, right, because as you said, it's a zero marginal cost item. So you know yeah. whether whether there's one one rich king, right? Like I'm, I'm you know, imagining this is you know. Hundreds of years ago, where you had a, a a patron, right, like a patron monarch who just said, "Oh, I'm going to pay for your work for the rest of your life," mm. or, or whether it's you know a million people sending in a penny, it's the same, yeah, right. It, yeah. it costs yeah. the same yeah. to make the work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I think that's it is interesting. Uh, and and then you you gave a talk that I haven't seen yet because I wasn't at Fosdem about uh, the GPL and this pushback by. You know, companies uh, making these these non uh, these non free mm. licenses. Can yeah. you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's that's the perfect question now um, <laughs> after the discussion of the Red Hat model, because I mean, first of all, the Red Hat model and also the Nextcloud model. I think this is the the most successful free software business model out there. I mean, really, I mean, Red Hat is obviously, I mean, now owned by IBM, of course, but still um, until a few months ago was the most successful and biggest uh, free software open source company in the world. Um, so obviously this is working well. Um, and a lot of other uh, companies have the same model. Well, some have the open core model and we, we talked about that, but it's a very successful model. The thing is that since a few years, we have this weird thing called cloud computing, right? And this is 
it just changes a few things because you no longer really buy software and install it on your servers in your basement. You don't no longer do this. Of course, with free software, you never buy software, but you buy other stuff like support subscription, as we just discussed. But the thing is that you no longer have these servers in your basement. Um, what you do nowadays, you uh, you buy a service from Amazon and Google Cloud and Microsoft and so on. And you go to those companies and say, hey, I want to have a database as a service or storage as a service or some other stuff as a service. And if you do this, no one really needs a support contract anymore. Right? If you get like MariaDB or MySQL as a service from, my, uh, from Amazon, you, that's all you need. You don't go to MariaDB and buy a support contract. And also uh, Amazon doesn't pay for that because they have enough engineers to run it themselves. So this, there's the danger um, that this threatens the most successful open source free software business model, this trend. So what's the, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to give away all the, the talk, but, <laughs> but what's the, I mean, the, but these, these companies have a, uh, while I don't agree with their conclusion, right? So their conclusion is essentially yeah. to, to make a non-free license. Exactly. So that's not a good, that's not a good uh, solution. Mm. But on the other hand, the threat that they present uh, from, you know, that, that, that they're showing us from these large providers, you know, the, mm. the Amazon and Googles the, and, and Microsoft, you know, those are real, the, you know, yes. they really can, they really can just destroy a company that is making its money, th that it's making high quality free mm. software that, that is based on a support contract by simply cutting out the support contract and making it irrelevant. So yep. what is, so what is the solution? I mean, you must think about this because, uh, yeah. because Nextcloud, right? Yeah, yeah. Nextcloud, I mean, we are, I don't know, let's see how it goes, but we are theoretically in a similar situation, right? I mean, someone can take next, I mean, Amazon is, can take Nextcloud and I mean, call it, I don't know, Amazon cloud and offer it as a service. And, um, yeah, well then, and if this really becomes really popular and big, then we don't make any money anymore and we have to fire the developers. So that's definitely a threat. Um, so, well, what those other companies do, the Redis and the MongoDB guys to change the license, that's definitely, as you said, that's not a solution. This is like, we are trying to save open source by killing it or <laughs> basically make everything not free software anymore. That's not, that's not the solution, obviously. Um, well, it's, it's a really tough problem. I don't have a really good answer. I mean, in my talk at FOSTEM, I made a few points that um, if you're really a true free software product and true free, a free software company, you still have like many, many advantages. For example, that you usually have a very active contributor community who come to you and help you with building the software because you're on the same playing field than everybody else that's guaranteed by the GPL. And if you have these weird business models, these proprietary ones, I mean, they usually require that you sign a, a CLA, contribute a license agreement. You need to give the company special rights about your software. And there are many, many other things, which I think at the end harms the product and the community and everything, the whole idea. 
And if this happens, then, well, then you're also out of business in a way. So we are trying to basically just build a nice software and a good community and a good product and and everything. And then I think, I mean, as discussed before, it it's not required for us to get like everybody as a paying customer, right? We are happy with only getting like 0.1% of our users to pay us because they're usually big organizations and they probably wouldn't buy Amazon SuperCloud 3000 from Amazon or something. They want to, they want to have the real thing. So I do idea. wonder about, you know, the, the one area about this that, that I think about sometimes is when, when I used to work with uh, questioncopyright.org, which is a nonprofit dedicated to free culture, one of the, the projects that they were working on and that never really took off, but I think had a lot of potential is this idea of creator endorsed. And it was the idea that uh, if you were releasing free culture, so they were talking about music and films mm -hmm. and things like that, that you would have a trademark uh, icon that companies that wanted to sell your work could put. And mm -hmm. it would basically say, well, this is creator endorsed, which means that, uh, you know, so, so let's talk about without that. So without that, uh, you know, I could just make a whole bunch of, of CDs and sell some free, uh, free um, music on Amazon, mm -hmm. right? I, I don't need mm -hmm. permission to sell somebody else's stuff. That's, that's what makes it free culture. Yeah. But, but that's a, a crappy thing to do, right? It, much nicer would be, well, for every CD, I'm going to give a dollar or two to the creator, yeah. some percentage. So the idea was that we would encourage good behavior by saying, well, if you want to have this creator-endorsed mark, which would work kind of like when you go to the store and you say, oh, this is certified organic or free trade, right? People look for those, mm -hmm. those things. This would mm -hmm. be the same. Not everyone's going to look for it, but some percentage of people are going to look for it. And when they see it, they're going to go, oh, okay, good. This, is, this means that it's, it's getting returned. You know, some, some amount of money is getting returned back to the creator. Yeah. Um, and I, I wondered why we in the, the software community don't do something like that. Like, so, okay, mm -hmm. you, you might have Amazon Database 3000, but it's, you know, for trademark reasons, it's not going to be called MariaDB. It's not going to be called this. And maybe people should uh, be looking for that, or at least some discerning customers should be looking for mm -hmm. that. Yeah. That's, a, that's an interesting point. I, I, I don't have a good answer, but <sighs> it's easy to blame the business people, right? <laughs> so I think I blame the business, the business people here a bit because this is something... I experienced in the past, uh, like in the former project and company, because once you have like venture capital in the company, you have this, you have all these reports and you have all these numbers. And there, one of the, one of the, one of the numbers is something called a conversion rate. And the idea was always like, yeah, we give away the software, um, for free for everybody. And how, what's the percentage? What's the conversion rate that we actually get as a paying customer? And this was something that was always talked about. And this was always something that people tried to optimize. And I think this is complete BS. I mean, in the software world and the internet world, something like conversion rate, it's 
that's a totally wrong concept because it's very easy. I mean, for, for, for us as Nextcloud, it's very easy to bring the conversion rate to 100%, right? We stop, we just stop being free software and <laughs> right. we make it everything, we make everything proprietary and then 100% of our users pay us. Great. <laughs> right. So that's, right. E that's easy. That's easy. But that's totally the totally wrong metric. And also, it's like, I don't know. I mean, because it's software and distributing it and running it because you run it, right? It's not running on our server. It's running on your server. This costs absolutely nothing. So if we have like a thousand people who run Nextcloud without paying us or 10 million or 100 million or a billion people really doesn't cost us anything. So the more, the better. And everything we need is, I don't know, to I mean, everything we need as an Nextcloud company is like, whatever, 200 big companies paying us, right? Then we're happy. That's all we need, right? It's not that mm. much. Right. And, and, and because everybody else using it for free, well, it maybe hurts the I don't know, the calculation of the venture capitalists and the business people, but at the end of the day, yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think there's a problem. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to take this very unpopular position of not defending venture capital, but I guess one of the things about a lot of people who are not business people is that they don't even understand what venture capital is. And mm -hmm. all it really is, is that you have a bunch of people who have extra cash they, they don't mm. want to put it in the regular stock market. They want to take a risk. And yeah. by investing in a small business is risky. Most businesses go out of business in a few years. So because, of, because the risk is higher, they need the return to be higher. And, exactly. And so they're motivated by, well, you know, if, if uh, four out of the five businesses that somebody invests in fails, that means mm -hmm. that in order to make their money back, the fifth one must do so amazingly well yes. that it beats out the four that failed, yep. which puts this artificial constraint on the one survivor to, to not just, you know, to, to essentially, you know, make up for the, for the, for the, you know, I'm imagining like a swimmer and you have this mm. person who's swimming and he's, he's the only one who survived, but he's dragging on these, like these four, these four dead <laughs> bodies, right? Well, yep. you have to, you have to swim five times better uh, to make up for how bad everybody else did. And, mm. you know, they're, so it, it, it makes sense that they're, they're not, you know, wringing their hands, you know, like Mr. Burns mm. style. They're just going, oh, but in, in order to make up for how poorly everybody else did, I have to get this one to do super, super well. So yeah, yeah. It, it makes, I mean, everybody here is, is making, is acting rationally, you know, we're all rational actors. It's just not a good, sure. it's just not a good fit for, for organic growth, right? It, it, no. it creates this artificial constraint of, well, and also, you know, when you sign up for venture capital, they're, they're, what they're giving you is money and maybe some connections. So they're going, okay, well, we're going to give you a million dollars, let's say. And then they're going to want to know, well, what are you using the million dollars for? Hey, are you mm. going to use it to to hire people? Are you going to use it to market or what are, you know? And so, to, and, and they get worried about their money. And mm. so they go, well, uh, what do we do? Well, maybe we should get reports because reports mm -hmm. make us feel like we're in control, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, what the, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I basically say, always tell people exactly what you just said. <laughs> so, I mean, but I disagree at the end because it's, 
relatively easy. People would be shocked how easy it is to get like one million of investment. It's nowadays it's actually quite easy. The only thing you need to tell them is that they're going that they will get like ten million back in three years. Right? And then the factor of 10 is, as you just said, is because like lots of companies go out of business. So the one that survives needs to be super, super profitable. So basically for us to accept like a million or 2 million of investment, and then we have to promise them they get like 20 million back in three years. That would be quite easy. But the problem is how can we ever pay the 20 million back? Right. I mean, that's like impossible. I mean, you need to, I don't know, invent a money printing machine or become the next Facebook or Google or whatever, right? For a normal company, it's like not really possible. So you need to come up with these crazy business ideas that are most of the time not working anyways. And it's really, I don't know. And for us, it's like, I I mean, I did this like in the old days, as I mentioned earlier, but this is not working together with the free software community because free software is really about sustainability and about volunteers and and i don't know everybody in the same playing field and being like one entity in this game who is like yeah and next year we want to have whatever several hundred millions of revenue so this is i mean the i'm gonna stick on money a little bit even though you know i think most of most of the people who listen to this are not very money motivated and i'm not super money motivated but exactly. you know the the what's happening is you know even of the even of the examples you gave you know most of these big companies that we hear about they don't actually make a huge profit you know mm-hmm. like uber only had i think was one or two quarters <laughs> of profit other than that they've been losing money twitter was around for yeah. like a decade before it made a profit and the right. problem and 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 so they go through these what you know they call you know for people who aren't business people, they go through these funding rounds, which is, well, you know, hey, investors, give us more money with the idea that we're going to be more profitable one day. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. all they're doing, is, it's like they're pushing back the day of profitability more and more and more in, yeah. in favor of growth, right? They're yeah. like, well, the more we grow, the more money we'll get one day. But when uh-huh. that day comes, they have to be super, super profitable. And, right. and the way that they've been doing that is by pursuing in, you know these these growth these growth numbers these these adoption rates that are astronomical, whereas what yes. you pointed out is that well actually if you go for um, organic growth where you only have a certain number of employees you know a handful of employees maybe ten or fifteen you can have two hundred customers and it's much mm. easier to manage two hundred customers than you know than two million customers your overhead and handling them is is easier yeah. too so yeah. you know i i think one of the thing one of the challenges i have is that you know we have a lot of people who are anti you know business just pure business is bad and i don't mm. i i i don't believe business is bad you know i i i mm. um i i you know th- this this is a weird a weird t- uh, divergence but you know as someone who who's um and, I, and I'm not bringing this up because you're German, I just, but it's, but my family's German too, you know. And when when my family was um, was killed in World War II, uh, you know, people that had that had money were able to to use it to escape. Mm-hmm. And that's always been my my feeling about money is that you you need it because it's it's your safety net. So uh, against against um, uh, totalitarianism, I mean that's my. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, which is, I, I know they're not the opinion that mm -hmm. a lot of people have, but that's always been my, my thought is, well, if we had that's had money, interesting. we hmm. wouldn't have, you know, if, 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 my, if, my, if my grandfather had not lived on a potato farm, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe they could have escaped, right? Mm -hmm. So that's how that's I, that's just, how that's I think about interesting. these. Uh, that's how I, th yeah. I personally think about these. Not, not to be, you know, super opulent rich, you know, to, so that you have 20 yachts, but that maybe if uh, things go sideways, you can get the hell out. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. so yeah. you know, I, I do think about business and, and, and money, and I think about the ways that we can do these things in a way that mm -hmm. is still ethical. Um, and I think that this pursuit of humongous growth, you know, of, well, let's get everybody, let's do a conversion rate of 100% with a million people, is what's driving these unethical practices, because now you mm -hmm. have these venture capitalists, they're, they're flush with cash. And all that means is that rich people don't have a good place to make m money. They don't feel mm -hmm. like the market is giving them enough return. They have mm -hmm. extra cash and they're like, well, what am I going to do with it? My 5% mm -hmm. return, you know, from the S&P 500 is not sufficient. So I want to mm -hmm. make 10 or 20%. Well, okay, I'll give it to venture capitalists uh, in, in, you know, doing private work. Well, the private mm -hmm. work Four out of five businesses fail, so now the, the, the one remaining one has to do, you know, has to do better than all the other ones combined, plus plus, and mm -hmm. so on and so on. So that's, I think that's where things get perverted. But, uh, and, and as that's, you said, yeah, sorry, sorry, go on. No, no, this is, a, <laughs> this is a, I, I totally agree, and that's, you made excellent points. So I think because at the end of the day, it's... <sighs> I, at the end of the day, the question is, what do you want? I mean, I, I don't know what to get <laughs> become super philosophical, but at the end of the day, I mean, we only have a few years to live, right? And the question is, what do you what do you want? What do you want to do? What do you want to be? What do you want to build? Um, what what should be your legacy, right? And of course, I mean, there's there's money is important because it helps to pay the bills and to pay for your family and everything. But of course, I'm, I can only talk to, about me. There's also the, the idea that you want to do something positive. You have, yes. want to have a positive impact. Yes. And this is something that, I mean, <laughs> that I always find it interesting. Since I started software development when I was 10 years old or something, I always fascinates me that as a software developer, you can do interesting things that actually change the world. This is because... Other people can't really do that. I mean, if you have other another job, it's really hard to have something, a positive impact. But as a software developer, you can sit in your basement and, and on your own, you can write software that changes the world. And that's always something that I find super fascinating. And then when I got in contact with like free software and open source community with KDE, for example, I was involved in the KDE community for a long, long time. I find it super interesting that this community, this worldwide community, came together and building the software that is threatening like Microsoft. Right? I mean, it's, yeah. and it's just that people who never met in person and that they got no money out of it because, but it's software over the internet. It's possible to do that. And this fascinates me. What one thing that was a bit of a problem with the KDE community is that people always dropped out of the community because a lot of people do this as a student and that's a fun hobby. And then when they became a, basically started their real job, their real job, then you had to, then they all became like proprietary software developers and are gone for the free software movement somehow. And I always thought, wouldn't it be great 
to somehow being able to keep on doing this and do it full time. And this is, for example, the motivation for me to start this company in the first place. Yeah, because it's not ready to optimize my bank account. Because honestly, I don't know if this would have been my goal, I would have, I don't know, started to work for Google or Facebook for many, many years ago already. But that's not really, I don't know, that's not what I want to do. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, you, you touch on uh, two important things. So I, I had a similar experience, uh, although I haven't developed as much software. When I was a teenager, I, you know, I was very depressed. I've talked about this on previous shows. And the, the thing that helped pull me out of it was this idea in free software of you don't need permission from anyone. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. like, oh, you want to make this? Go ahead and make it. You are, you, you are, you're in control. It's like the ultimate democracy. Of mm-hmm. well, not, you don't even have to worry about what other people are doing. You just have to follow a few rules about licenses that say, oh, don't be a jerk. Be nice to everybody. Work together, and then you can almost do what you want. And mm-hmm. that that really affected me. And when I thought about these questions, you know, about like, oh, how are we going to make money? Um, this was in the 90s, you know, Linus Torvalds had a, had a saying, and he said, well, everybody needs a car, but not everybody needs a Porsche. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, I, I agree, you know, we, we, can, we, can, we can do something meaningful with our lives that's going, yeah. to, that's going to be helpful and give back and, and do something that's greater than ourselves. The, the challenge is that we, we, you know, we still have to... We have to have the resources in order to be able to do that. Um, yeah. So I want to shift uh, from, from this philosophy actually to something else you said, which is you know, this larger issue of, of silos on the internet. Yeah. Um, the you know, Nextcloud is, is wonderful. I, I use it. Um, and, uh, but I think about the fact that Nextcloud is in a sense a, a silo, right? So uh, I have my files and my and my other resources, you know, my to-do list, my um, my uh, Kanban deck, etc. But mm-hmm. they don't really connect with your Nextcloud instance, right? There's they don't really want they don't re- they can only talk to each other in the most primitive ways right now. But I'm really curious because I know that you've worked on and you've been involved tangentially in ActivityPub, for example, and w- where you think that's going. Mm-hmm. Um, no, excellent, excellent question. So uh, I think, I don't know, <laughs> should, we start, should I start uh, the, the big philosophical question already? I'll talk about technology later. I, I, think, <laughs> I, I actually think that the, that so, the, the philosophy informs yeah. the technology. Yeah, I, oh, I totally agree. So the thing is, the thing is, I don't know. I'm a bit, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a political person. Um, I'm interested in the politics. And I, I, I am afraid that that we might live, or our children, I don't know, in a centralized, I don't know, dictatorship in the future, because software and IT and the internet is so powerful that if it used wrongly, in the wrong way, then it can be really used to. I don't know, really changed society. And, and I'm really afraid of that. And you can see a little bit tendencies in like in China and other places where you have this social scoring system and like controlling of all the communication and, 
And that's a bit of a danger. And this, of course, for me, this is a bit, this is really sad because when I grew up um, and I first like saw the internet, I thought, well, that's like, that's a, a, that's a huge force for good. Yeah. Because, because it, it helps. It helps to connect everybody on this planet. Like everybody can communicate and everybody can share knowledge. Right? So of course, everybody will be, will be super educated because the information is like available for free. And, and if I can like communicate and chat and do video calls with everybody, there will be no wars anymore because this will, this, there will be so much empathy because we are all like connected somehow. Yeah, That's what it's, I thought. It's, it's funny, <laughs> you know, it's funny you mentioned that there's, um, there was a uh, this this, this you, obviously you're not the first person to 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 think this right I mean yeah. a, a about the internet but you know I think about um, you know I'm a, I'm I'm somewhat of a geek who thinks about languages and mm -hmm. there are these uh, you know there are these two two conlands right so artificial artificial constructed languages mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you know, the first one that I actually know is Esperanto, right? And the idea of mm -hmm. Esperanto is, well, if everyone just learns Esperanto, mm -hmm. we'll all communicate with one another. And then yeah. if we communicate with one another, then, we'll, then there'll be peace because then mm -hmm. there won't be any misunderstanding. And mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. uh, one that you may not have heard of is uh, Bliss. And it mm -hmm. was actually made by a German Jew coming out of World War II. And he felt mm -hmm. that... He felt it was a it was a set of symbols, and mm -hmm. his idea was that oh the the reason that totalitarianism happens is that people lie, and if you create mm -hmm. a language in which people cannot lie, in which there is no room <laughs> for ambiguity like this, wow. then then th yeah right <laughs> then 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 there will be no war because everyone will always have to tell the truth, mm -hmm. and and then there'll be peace forever. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. you know, when I grew up, I think we're around, and I'm in my early 40s, and I think we're roughly the same age. And, mm -hmm. you know, the idea of the internet for me, uh, sorry about the sirens, I live in New York City. Uh, so, so uh, you know, was around the same idea, which is that, yeah. um, oh, if, if we're all connected, then we'll all rise to the highest level, right? Um, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll all we'll all watch. Um, oh, I can't remember what it's called now. The the um, um, the, the Simon Khan. What's his um, you know his his like free university. We'll all we'll all watch yeah. all the free university videos. So we'll all be mm -hmm. super mm -hmm. educated. We'll mm -hmm. all speak uh, all the different languages, or and maybe mm -hmm. we'll have a common language. All mm -hmm. you know, all the cultural misunderstandings will melt away, and we'll all be yeah. we'll all be at peace, right? And I right. agree with you that there's a risk that what we're seeing is a that's not what's happened. If anything, it's no. gotten worse, right? If it's we've yeah. become we've 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 become less, and these these information silos in the mm -hmm. form of big companies and um, and government restrictions have made things even more dangerous. Exactly. So this is this is this is exactly what I wanted to say that that these huge data silos, they are a gigantic threat. And they are a really big, big, big risk for, I don't know, turning this whole world into a huge dictatorship somehow. I really, even if like the current, I don't know, if like the <laughs> the, the, the Google and the, and the Facebook and the Microsoft of the world are, I don't know, not super evil at the moment, but at some point there will be, it will be misused. 
and uh, you can see this in other countries already. So I don't know. And this is the several things that can be done here. I mean, you can go into politics, but that's I'm I'm not a good politician. Basically, <laughs> this is not what I this is not what I do. But I'm a software developer. So I thought, well, maybe I can do something to I don't know to protect privacy, to work against the data silos, to make it possible that people can communicate without a middleman somehow. And in, in an encrypted way, in a secure way, to basically, I don't know, to <laughs> influence society with software. So this is this is the whole idea of like Nextcloud since the beginning. So that's my personal mission somehow. Okay, uh, I'm I'm with you uh, as someone who thinks about this. So how how does um, and maybe it's not Nextcloud. Maybe it's the next next thing that you work on, but. Mm -hmm. uh, how do we do it? How do we get there yeah, from yeah. a technical standpoint? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So first of all, I when you said earlier that Nextcloud are just like lots and lots of data silos, I mean, this might be true, but the fact that there are like, whatever, half a million data silos is already better than one. But of course, I agree that the data silo is not the goal. So because of that, we try to have like, federation feature since a long time and i agree that not everything is perfect yet <laughs> there's still there's still a lot of work to be done but there are some things that is there are already implemented and they're used and they're working so the first thing is that um, it's possible since several years that you have federated sharing of files so um I don't want to talk about the details of Nextcloud too much, but if you click on a file and then you can say, I want to share this file with someone else, I can type in the address of your server and then this file or this folder is shared peer-to-peer -peer, um, between our servers. It's, so the idea is that this creates like a network of, of servers and there is no central node. There's nothing, there's no central instance. It's a bit similar like email where we can all send each other email, but email is not owned by anyone. And actually there are like different implementations of the servers and of the clients, but because they all speak the same protocol, they're all compatible. And this is what we try to, to imitate with exchange of, of files. And that's already in Nextcloud for several years. So are you talking about when you are in Nextcloud and you can just, and you can right click or right click and you can say, share mm -hmm. this file? Is yep. that what you mean? I, because I, I didn't realize that that would actually go to any other server. I thought it was just, you can download yeah. it. Yeah, there are, lot, there are different ways. I mean, first of all, you can type in a, just a username and then it looks for users on the same server and then it's just shared with them. Then you can also create a share link and you can send this link to someone by mail or chat or something. I then see. you can type okay. in, yeah. then you can type in, a, type in an email address. And then your Nextcloud service automatically sends basically a share link to this person by email. But you can also talk in, uh, they type in um, the federated sharing ID. It's a bit ah. of a stupid name. Um, and this is username at server instance. Oh, I didn't know that. So you can do, yeah. oh, I didn't, I wasn't aware. That's actually very, is that new? Because I wasn't aware no, of no. that. Oh, wow. It's like four, four or five years old. Oh, wow. wow that's and old. then uh, if I, um, yeah, if, if I would know your 
um, your your host name of your Nextcloud. I can type in yeah your username at at symbol and then, then your server, and then my server would send like um, with an API that we implemented a ping to your server and say hey this guy from this other server wants to share something with you and then you have the opportunity to say yes or no, and then uh, if you say yes then um, there's some keys exchange for the encryption first. But then the file shows up on your end too. And if you edit it, it changes on my side and the other way around. Wow, so it does synchronization too. Wow, that's really that's amazing. I had no idea that was a that was a, that was actually a thing in Nextcloud. Uh, yeah, yeah, I need yeah. more Nextcloud using friends, I guess, because I don't <laughs> know where that was because yeah, yeah. I, I was aware that you know you could share a file and you know for the really geeky uh, listener you know, that's an object capability that what is what you're sending. You're sending them a read or edit capability to exactly. your system. Um, yeah. But but I wasn't aware that you also had the, the, the system to system protocol. That's that's really powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah and this is something this is something that um, a colleague of mine here at Nextcloud, Bjorn and me came up with like, I think, five years ago or longer. Um, and this we implemented that. And then a lot of other companies also got interested in this kind of protocol. And there is a group now uh, that basically standardized this protocol. And it has a name now. It calls Open Cloud Mesh, OCM. And that's a standard, and it's actually implemented by by other vendors. I mean, OwnCloud also implemented it. Well, I mean, <laughs> because it was implemented in the OwnCloud time, so it's still there. And then uh, other software like Cfile, and Pydio, which are also free software um, alternatives, they support the same protocol. So you can also do this between different um, different software because similar to different mail servers. That's that is interesting. I've been, you know, uh, for for people who don't listen every week, right? I, I or whatever, how often we put this out, you know, I've been working with Chris on a a file a secure file exchange form uh, form this protocol called Data Shards. So, mm -hmm. so knowing about and reading about other protocols is is super useful mm -hmm. for, for the way yeah. I think about things. Um, but what, so, what you do is very it's very boring. So it's less. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure what you do is a lot more sophisticated because what we do is just. I mean, it there's there are like a handful. Yeah, I think a handful of REST calls, and it just like pings this other system. Say here, here is something. Here's a share invitation, and here's the access key and some other things. And then you say yes or no, and after that it's just a web dev mount, right? You basically say, "Oh, here's the endpoint. Here's your key to access this resource," and then it's just a web dev connection over oh. HTTPS, and that's all. I mean, it's the, quite boring. I mean, a, yeah, but it's also IT, I mean, who cares but it's, about but it's how working. exciting it is. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. that, that's always like, you know, there's a lot of boring technology that's in our that's in our house that works every day, right? Like, yeah. you know, oh, that electricity thing. Oh, that's boring. It's been it, no one's changed that for hundred, you know, for a hundred years, right? Right. Uh, right. That's okay. It, it's still yeah. it's still uh, it still powers yeah, yeah, lights. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think, but I think you're on the right track too, in just in terms of because you also support ActivityPub. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I yep. don't use the ActivityPub module. In, in Nextcloud yeah, yeah. because it's it's not as um, basic. It's, it's it's a little yeah it's a little basic but the fact that it's yeah. there is already powerful and I think that there's mm -hmm. opportunities going forward to add yeah. more features yeah. on top of it because now you've got the base libraries built in so you can put other things you can layer other yeah. things on that, top of it that's the plan yeah yeah I'm I mean I th and I think 
for for many of us in free software, you know, I'm I was really excited to have you to to have you agree to to be a guest because uh, there's really, you know, I. I remember when when Red Hat was really small because I, I was actually at a dinner once and we had everybody from Red Hat except for one person at, <laughs> at one dinner table uh, wow. at an install fest. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I even remember that the year after that I was at a I was at LinuxConf, which was like a um, uh, Linux mm-hmm. uh, conference at the time, oh, and like roasted marshmallows with Bob Young. He, he he probably won't remember me, right? But like, and then I remember him, and oh, I'm, I'm terrible with names, but the the MySQL guy and Bob Young kind of went off to the side. And, yeah, the Logi, yeah. is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, went um, off to Monty, the side. Monty. Moti, and he was Monty. telling, and, and Bob asked, "Oh, where is the name of, uh, you know, why 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 is it you know why is it called?" Um, MySQL, and he goes, "Oh, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. And, and and they talked about you know his daughter. It was a, it was really like, and I was like, yeah. one day this is going to be really interesting to tell someone, right? And here I am, <laughs> because that was 1998, and so yeah, yeah, a long time yeah. ago. And um, you know, this, you know, these these, uh, I forget where, I forget why I was why I thought I thought that was important. Now, uh, mm. where are we going? Um, no, but that, that's that's by the way it, uh, about the the story with MySQL. That's very interesting because yeah, a lot of people think that it's called MySQL because it's like MySQL. So oh, right, something, yeah, no, but no, no, it's actually the, the name of 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 his daughter. Daughter, yeah. And 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 Maria, Maria, because that's his fork, right? Maria DB is actually the name of the second daughter. Right. I think there was a Max in between. That's possible. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> it was something. Yeah, it was like his son or something. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> So, so um, you, you know, but but oh, that's what it was because Red Hat is is kind of an exception, right? Most of mm-hmm. the companies that are in the free software space are not really f- truly one hundred percent free software, right? So, mm. you know, Canonical is not really one hundred percent free software. It's a free software supporting company. It mm-hmm. does good things, but it's not a full one hundred percent free software company, and. You know, Red Hat and Nextcloud are really the shining stars. There are, I'm, I know there are a couple of others, but you, you two are really yeah. the shining stars of, of this and showing how it can be done. Thank it's you. A little, it's, I, I'm going to give you only... I, I think that there are still some, some places that we need to think about, which is how do we do it when the product is less enterprisey? Mm-hmm. Right? So when you, have, when you have a product that's maybe not used by big companies, uh, can you can you can we make a model that fits that? And I, I think that's still a challenge that we need to figure out. I agree. I agree. There are a lot of things that come together with Nextcloud um, that that are success factors. And um, I mean that one of the success factors is something that you want to have a product that works like for home user with like on a Raspberry Pi at home. Because that's what you need to become, become, make it popular and to like have volunteers to improve the software and everything. But it also needs to be software that's also usable for the million employee company. Because this is where you can, that is where you get the money. So yeah. that's not, that's weird. And I still think from time to time that it's quite weird that we somehow manage to have the Nextcloud architecture in a way that exactly the same code actually works on the Raspberry Pi than on a huge cluster for a million people. That's quite, that's weird. It's very challenging, yeah. And, and, yeah. It's, and I think that that's where we're, you know, 
but I, I definitely see Nextcloud as, as being a leader, not just in the technology space, but especially in the philosophical space in free software and development. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and, and look, I think one of the success factors is you, you know, and the leadership and, and thoughtfulness that you've put into building this company into not just being another, another open yeah, well, core business. Of, I mean, I'm, I'm the public spokesperson, that's true. But I mean, we have so many good people at Nextcloud uh, in the company, in the community. And I mean, it's really a community thing. I mean, I said earlier that I wrote uh, OwnCloud 1.0 alone. Um, and this is like basically there's no there's no software left that I wrote basically and that's good <laughs> because I'm, there are so many so many better developers now and so many better people with with APIs and with marketing and sales and I mean yeah. it's a really group a group thing so it's not people only see me because I'm doing podcasts like well, of that. course because but, you're because you're well you're the CEO and you're the face of the company and obviously there are many many people that make it successful. Uh, and there are many factors, but I think that the one of the ones that really does stick out is the fact that you, you and your team stuck to their philosophical guns when moving from on cloud to next cloud and took a big risk, yeah. a personal risk of, of yeah, yeah. Your finance and your up, uh, uprooting your lives to to build this thing. Yeah. You could have you could but have I just mean, stayed. You could have stayed and and just made your money and and been you know moderately well, happy. Yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> and or, or work for work for work for Google or Facebook, as I said before, and make a lot more money than we ever make here with Nextcloud. Yeah. But, I mean, sure. But I mean, that's as I said before. I mean, I I don't know. The goal can for me. The goal is not to like die rich or something, right? You want to really do something meaningful. This is what we what we're trying to do. And about the philosophical thing, by the way. That's not only me. I mean, that's like really the whole team. I mean, we have like people who are involved in the free software, uh, in the free uh, in the free software foundation, Europe, for example, or people who really care about diversity. This is something we try to push forward here with Nextcloud and about decentralization and privacy. I mean, there's so many. We are really a group of idealists. So it's not only like me and the others are just like developers, but I do something. We really think a lot about the, the mission and. That's that's quite that's quite quite important. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for for sharing uh, all this. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you're like, oh, I really um, actually want <laughs> to. A million things. A million things. Maybe there, maybe there's one thing uh, about the technology, actually about the federated sharing, that I wanted want to add maybe quickly, because um, when we talked that there's that we have this protocol in place where you can do federated sharing. And you mentioned that you didn't know that because you don't see it in the user interface and you have to type in this weird ID of, you first have to ask another person, hey, what is your, what's the name of your Nextcloud server and your username and blah, 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 and that's a bit weird. And that's something that, I mean, that, that's not good enough because we are competing with Google Drive and Dropbox and other centralized services where, um, you can just type in whatever the the name of your of your grandma, and then you get some auto completion, and you say boom, and then your grandma has like your vacation photos, right? And that's something that's tricky if you're federated. Yeah, um, 
Well, you um, know, it's funny. It's it's funny you mention that because, uh, you know, Chris and I were talking not that long ago about one of the future episodes, and you know, we were talking about uh, something that we mentioned in a very early episode called Zuko's Triangle, which I'm mm-hmm. sure you're aware of. And we were talking mm-hmm. about how the news is finally starting to nibble around this discussion of you know DIDs, distributed identifiers, and yeah. how how and then of you know pet names and how pet names fit into that because ideally right when you said oh i'd really like to share it with grandma maybe you shouldn't have to know grandma's id maybe you should just be able to type grandma (laughs) exactly yeah and 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 so i think that you're right that's a that's an area where where we really need to get uh better Mm -hmm. and free software needs to to work um uh, on improving these distributed identifiers and making them yes. easier to use. It's something that I'm personally interested in. Um, yeah, and that's yeah, really that's the, that's the future. Yeah, I just wanted to point out that, in my opinion, this is really the next, the next big challenge because just people seem to focus on the pure, I don't know, something like blockchain or whatever, even our API where you have like this distributed hash table so we can, something like that, which is, from my perspective, only like the, the technology part, which is not enough, because we really should have to care about the user experience and how how this becomes really usable for yeah my my grandma and we at Nextcloud we did some experiments for example we have uh, we have a feature built in also since a few years where it's a bit similar to GPG key servers um, where on your profile you can actually say I want to be found by other people. And then it's basically like a public phone book. And then you can say, hey, people should be able to find me by name or people should be able to find me by email address or by Twitter handle or some other things. And then um, and then your, your data is like published to this public phone book somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're trying to experiment with that. And there are many, many, many other things. But I... I want to at the end of the podcast even like challenge everybody even more because if we if we implement all of that in a perfect way and you can type in grandma as you mentioned and then my vacation photos is shared with my grandma then we only achieved user experience experience parity with this big data silos but then we yeah. then we can do the same than facebook and and google but that's not enough we need to be better mm-hmm. Because yeah. ours, this is what we do here with like federating and decentralizing the, the cloud services. We need to be better than those silos. silos. I agree. Being just good, just the same is nice, but it's not. That's not enough, and that's a big challenge. So, and that's the last thing. Oh, I that's want a to good mention. challenge to our. No, that's <laughs> a good challenge to to our audience to think about what they're working on and how they can work on this. It's something I think a lot about. So. So thank yeah. you so much, Frank. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna end with the you know thank you very much for coming. Uh, the, if you uh, would like to, if you or anyone else would like to join our our ongoing conversation, we're on IRC, we're Hash Libra Lounge on Freenode. Uh, if you're on the Fediverse, we are uh, at Libra Lounge at Floss.Social. Uh, we're on Twitter at Libra Lounge. Uh, you can also email us podcast at LibraLounge.org. Um, and hopefully soon Chris will be back and uh, we'll, we'll be diving into some of these topics actually pretty soon. 
So thanks so much, Frank. Thank you for coming. <laughs> thanks a lot. It was really fun. And as, as I said, uh, you're my, my favorite podcast. So it's, it's awesome. Thank you. Bye, everyone. You've been listening to Libre Lounge. You can find and subscribe to us at LibreLounge.org. This podcast is released under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 International License. Our theme music is Bossa Nova by Joth, which is waved into the public domain under CC0 and which you can find on opengameart.org. If you'd like to support Chris Weber's work on this and other user freedom projects, you can donate at patreon.com forward slash C-W-E-B-B-E-R. Thanks for listening. See you next time.